Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 128. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. If you're struggling with the MCAT, go to freemcatgift.com and download our free 30-plus page report all about tips and tricks on how to maximize your score on the MCAT. Again, freemcatgift.com. Hi, Allison. Hi, Ryan. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Welcome back. Thank you. I think the more we go without you, the more emails that I get saying, I like the shows with Allison. <laughs> well, gee, thanks. I still don't understand why. <laughs> And I love how you say this to me at the beginning of this episode. No, like, not that I'm, I'm not saying that the ones with you are bad. I'm just saying I don't understand why they don't like the other ones and they prefer the ones with you. Maybe it's just nice to have two different voices, two different perspectives. I don't know. So I should work on different voices? (laughs) I don't know. I couldn't presume to know. All right. But I'm glad to be here. Okay. So the day that we're releasing this episode is the day after the AMCAS and ACOMIS applications open up. Not that you can submit them here in 2015, but that they open up and you can start adding your information into them. And so we wanted to do an application-specific podcast, even though we try not to do timeline or time-sensitive podcast. This is a podcast that anybody can listen to at any time, but because of when we're recording this and when it's going live, we wanted to hit up a lot of application-specific information so that when you go to apply, if it's this year, it's next year, or, or whatever year you're applying, hopefully this information will still be valid in a couple of years that uh, you'll be ready to go, ready to rock that application, 
and get it out and get it ready for submission when you can submit. What do you think about that, Allison? I think it sounds good. Do you remember your applications? Do I remember them? Yes, I do. What do I remember about them? I just remember it feeling like like a long process kind of. I tend to be somebody who's very sort of, I don't know, obsessive compulsive about mm-hmm. making sure things are perfect when mm-hmm. I'm filling something out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, you know me well. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I was very, I just remember reviewing it so many times. And I, I did apply on the earlier side. I, I remember being told by somebody that I needed to get my application in early. And so I did. But I remember just being completely attached to my computer for many days, just boring over it, making sure everything was correct, making sure it was proofread, my personal statement, all that jazz. What do you remember about yours? I remember what a hellacious time it was. Because <laughs> you were a guinea pig. I was a guinea pig. Yeah, I was telling this story last night for our office hours in the academy. And we had a couple of people on that were applying or are applying this year. And so we were, I was reliving my life applying to medical school the first time. And it was in 2001, right around 9-11, the AMCAS application was brand new. The electronic version, the online version was brand new. And I can't tell you how many times I had to go in and re-enter information because it was horrendously just horrendous. Horrendously <laughs> it horrendous. It, it was time. a mess. Yeah. And and this was a day where you didn't have great internet at home yet. And so I was oh, going... Oh, now in, you're just dating yourself. I was going into the computer labs at school to do it because they're the ones that had the quote unquote high speed internet. Oh, man, I don't even I don't know how you would survive at a time like that. I mean, you're I constantly checking speed, you know, the speedometer or whatever you call <laughs> speedometer, it yeah, there you go. <laughs> for the Internet speed. So we'll go to places like we'll check into a hotel and Ryan's like, oh, man, this speed is awful. We got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't even imagine what your life must have been like. at that. Time. I didn't you know didn't know any, any different. Yeah. <laughs> it was great back then. And so. What ended up happening was after we finally were able to get all the information in, finally click submit, and I have no idea when it was in the application season, whether I submitted early or late, but 9-11 happened. And so there were issues, and 9-11 kind of really doesn't matter with the application online version, but what happened was as they were rolling out the online version for us students to fill out, they were rolling out the online version for the schools to receive our information. So it was a double doozy. It was a double doozy because the schools weren't receiving the information. And so what happened was AMCAS printed all of the applications and they mailed them to the schools. And if you remember, around 9-11, there was also an anthrax scare. Yeah. And the AAMC, which runs AMCAS, is in D.C., And so they couldn't mail anything out because the the post offices were shut down because of the anthrax issues. And so that's, I blame everything on 9-11 why I didn't get into medical school the first time. Oh, stop. You can't say (laughs) things like that. Why not? (laughs) Because. Okay, blame it on anthrax. There, that's a little bit better, I think. (laughs) No, I mean, it was just such a sad time. I didn't remember, actually, when 
I mean, I know when you applied to med school, but I guess I hadn't put it together in my head about the timeline. Yeah. That I was, just remember. It was interesting. Yeah. Well, and the fact, I mean, it, I, I would more think that it was just their lack of foresight that having both the applicants and the programs go electronic all at once is, is kind of a tall order. But you know what? It don't matter anymore because it's a different day and age now. Everybody's electronic. Everybody You're knows on your voices. Everybody knows high speed internet. It's not an issue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> things worked out. We just like to, you know, tell you all about how crazy things used to be yeah. in the dark ages, and they're <laughs> just as crazy now. Last year when Amcast opened, they had to close because there were issues with it. So right. well, every year yeah. they're working, they're tweaking and it's software. It's software, never perfect. Software messes up. So if you're applying, take a deep breath, get in there and tinker with things. If you're digging in on the first day that it's open, realize that there may be some issues and maybe you just want to take a step back for a couple days before you start Jumping in with everything. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason. I don't think any admissions officer would tell you you have to submit on the first day. There's really no need to. And it's probably a safer bet just to wait a day or so because if there is a big glitch in the system and, you know, everything goes away and you have to start all over, I mean, it's better to just let a day or so pass and then go ahead. Yeah. So let's talk about some tips on how to successfully submit your medical school applications on time and with the biggest bang. And we are focusing on AMCAS as opposed to a Comus, right? Is that yeah, or, they're, they're or both. both. Our tips will work for both. Okay. Definitely. So I think first and foremost, the biggest tip that I give to everybody, and one of the first questions I ask a student who did not get into medical school their first time applying is, when did you submit your application? Yeah. It's huge. It will make or break you. And it's the one thing that at the end of the day when you go to submit is in your control, right? It is completely in your control. I mean, that's not entirely true because like the personal statement's also in your control, but it is something which is absolutely completely in your control. Yeah. So submitting your application early, on time, and on time doesn't mean before the deadline. Oh, yes, no. If you're looking at the MSAR or you're looking at the college information book for the DO schools, each school will have a deadline, and it's usually around the end of October, beginning of November. That is not your goal date for submitting your application. No, not at all. Those are forevermore. Those are dates which should not be in the forefront of your mind and really not even in, you know, the back burner because it's not an option. You can't submit that late. No. Unless for some reason you are a god or a goddess and you have perfect grades, yeah, perfect scores, that. your mom or your dad is the dean of the medical right, school, well. <laughs> then maybe you can get away with that. But there's really, there's no point. And I remember in one of the sessions, one of our episodes that you had with Dr. Politis when you had him on the show, you talked with him about this very thing that there's really no excuse for submitting your application late. And it's the biggest disservice that you can do to yourself as an applicant by submitting late. I've talked to many admissions committee members who have said, if this application ended up on my desk a month ago or two months ago, they would have gotten an interview without a doubt. But because they're applying so late, 
I don't have that many more slots for interviews and I have to be more picky. And that's and I think it becomes a numbers thing. Like they just don't have this, you know, the interview spots to offer. But it also sends a message to the school. I mean, if you're out there in your pre-med and you're trying to, you know, let the entire medical school community know where you're applying, look, I want to go to medical school, I want to become a physician, and then you submit this extremely important application on the later side of things, what kind of message does that send? You know, and so I mean, what's so if you can't, you're freaking out, you know, it's you really wanted to get it in, you know, early on time and you're you're it's getting later and later and later, then don't apply. Apply next year. If it's that late. Yeah. yeah. And so the question is, what is that late? And so if you don't know, you can start submitting your applications at the beginning of June. And if you're pushing into mid-August, end of August, then maybe start looking at, is it really something that I want to apply now and risk not getting in any interviews because they're all gone or what? And it's an expensive process. That's the other thing. It's very expensive. So it's, you know, there's an application fee, but then for every single medical school beyond a certain number that you apply to, there's a charge. And and beyond one. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's the application fee includes the cost of the first school. Yes. But then, then after that, you know, so that's a big chunk of money. And yeah. so it's, you know, blood, sweat and tears that you don't want to have to waste. So apply early. That's so it's such an I mean, yeah. it's an easy thing. Apply early. All right. We beat that one. The second one, once you sit down and you're ready to start plugging in data into this application, and and it will take several hours of just sitting there and plugging in information. Yeah, it might take days, just so you know. Days. But here's, here's where the tip comes in. To hopefully prevent taking days, you need to make sure you have all the information that you need when you sit down the first time. Right. Preferably on paper. Or on another monitor, if you're Ryan. (laughs) Whatever works. You need transcripts from every school that you've been to. Mm -hmm. You need to have those requested. You need to, and you need typically transcripts requested to go straight to AMCAS and ACOMAS and transcripts sent to you because you're going to need to enter all of that information into the application. So don't forget, if you took biochemistry in the summertime, you know, near home um, and then went back to school for the rest of your classes, you need that transcript. And that's one of the biggest delays that admissions committees see in terms of people getting their applications in. So don't let that be you. Yeah. You need a list of all of your extracurricular activities that you've done. You need a list of who was your advisor, your mentor, your supervisor at that at whatever venue that you were doing, your volunteering at, your research at, your shadowing at. You're going to need contact information for all of those people. You're going to need how many hours you've had. You're going to need what you did there and how it affected you. And 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 these, we should mention, these are ones that you're going to write down. It doesn't mean that if you volunteered at, you know, I don't know, if you volunteered somewhere someday for five hours in your life, it doesn't mean, and you're, you know, you don't necessarily have to write down everything. Well, that, you ever did. and that'll be a tip later on yes. for those kind. Yeah. But have a list, and and hopefully, if you've heard us before, you've heard me emphasize that as you're going through this process, if you're not applying this year and you're still out there doing all these extracurricular activities, keep a log. Mm-hmm. Keep yeah. a log of everything you're doing. Have a list of all the medical schools that you apply to because part of the application process is you you select which schools you're going to apply to. And as Allison mentioned, you do have that upfront fee of one school plus the application fee is about $160. Mm -hmm. 
And then I think it's what thirty five dollars. Yeah, it's above about, and beyond. The last time I looked, it was thirty four, but that may be a touch yeah. dated, so it's around that. And the average is about fourteen or fifteen, right around there, that students apply to. And I want to emphasize: don't apply to a ton. Applying to thirty is may increase your chances, but it gets very, very, very expensive. It you, does. You can't think of just. The cost of the primary applications. You have to assume that there's going to be, you're going to get an automatic secondary application from every school that you submit to. And that fee is going to be about $100. Right. So just alone, like let's say you're applying to 15 schools total, we'll just take an average. So figure it's about $160 for your application fee. And then that includes one school. So 14 schools times $34 each. So if you add all that up together, it's about, it's $636. And that's not even factoring in the secondary. So. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure you're prepared. Yeah. Some people end up taking out loans just for the application process. So know in advance, have a sense of how many you want to apply to so that you're not, you know, stuck with um, a scary bill afterwards. Yeah. Because they'll expect the payment right away. You have to pay when you submit your application. And they do have fee assistance. So look into that if you qualify for that. But I want to go on the other end, too, because one of our Academy members was talking about applying to only five schools Mm -hmm. and you're taking a huge risk there because you're putting all of your eggs into those five baskets yes and it isn't a numbers game the more schools that you do apply to the better your chances may be and so you're limiting yourself by only applying to five and so if you know for a fact that you're a strong applicant at those five schools and you in the bottom of your heart think you're going to get into one great. Or if you just have whatever restrictions, financially, family, whatever it may be, that you can only go to those five schools and you you won't consider going anywhere else, then that's fine. But if you're only applying to five schools because it's a financial hardship to apply to a couple more, look into the fee assistance. But also look into the fact that if you don't get into those five, reapplying next year is going to be even more expensive than just adding a couple more schools this year. So, well, why more expensive? Just, you mean the added cost of the that as well? The added cost of another application fee and the other schools and the time. Yeah. The time costs. So there, there are a lot of other issues there. And then if you're filling out secondaries again for the five schools this year, and then maybe 10 next year instead of 10 this year, so there's, there's all of those extra costs that you may not think about. And travel, if you do get those interviews, which hopefully you do, there may be travel involved in getting out there and that's uh, its own cost as well. Yeah. It has its own cost. So another thing that you're going to need to know when you sit down with your applications is who is writing all of your letters. And this is a, another tip that we'll have for you later too. But the key here is just knowing all those letter writers because that's a big part of the information that you enter is who all of those letter writers are. So have that information, know that. If you still are struggling with some letters, let's just go ahead and give this tip now. So this is another tip. Get your letter writers to write you letters now. If you haven't received all of your letters yet, now is the time. I've heard horror stories from students that their application was held up by months because a letter writer that they were depending on took forever to submit their letter. Yeah. And if if you have a letter designated for a certain school, they're going to wait until your letters are turned in before they review your 
your whole application. How many letters do you need nowadays? Do you remember? Every school is different. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, every school is going to be a little bit different. But most students don't know is that you can have, if school A, let's say Harvard wants three letters, two from your teachers and one from a physician, and uh, Brown wants three letters as well, same thing, two from teachers and one from a physician, you can have four letters and three go to Harvard and three go to Brown, but with different people. Mm -hmm. You don't have to submit the same two teachers to every school or the same physician to every school. You can pick and choose what letters go to what schools. Hmm. And so if you have a connection with, with somebody who wrote you a letter and they have a connection at that school, then you want to designate that person to go to that school. Right. So if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. I can't hurt, you know, to have more letters, therefore, you know, to be able to choose from. And I think, as Ryan said, I mean, as early as you can get these letters, get them because you don't want to be in a situation where you're hung up on the end of it trying to get, you know, the these letters from people who are very busy. And there are times during the academic year when a lot of people are going to be asking at the same time. So, you know, rather than, for example, wait till the very end of a class, it's always fine to ask, you know, before the course is over. Trying even, you know, ask your some of your professors who you had in your sophomore year, you know, ask them before your junior year, before you start thinking about applying um, or before your senior, you know, the whole point is ask in advance. One of our academy members, I won't I won't give names because it'll be too close to home. But one of our academy members was telling a story last night in office hours that his advisor was was telling a story of another student that was applying and it was it was august or something it was really late and the student at that point said i need a letter oh no and the advisor was like um i don't even know you like oh, what do you no. want me to do and she's like i need a letter to submit my applications i'm missing a letter and he's like i can write you one but it's not going to be strong it's not going to be great and she's like I need a letter. Oh, God. And you never, ever want that to be you. You never... If somebody tells you... This is kind of digressing more into letter writing, but if somebody tells you, I can write you a letter, but it's not going to be strong, that is a way of telling you, do not have me write a letter for you because uh, this is a big endorsement. I mean, especially the letters coming from your physicians, but also letters coming from... I don't mean your physician, but a physician. Letters coming from your professors, you want them to be as as glowing as possible. And really from people who know you, it becomes so easy to read a letter and immediately know whether this person knew you well or not. Uh, and it can be challenging. You know, I went to McGill where classes were sometimes 700 people plus, And so it can be challenging, but that's why I try to get to know your professors, get your letters early. So, so by the time this rolls around and you, you want to submit your application, the letters, it's just a matter of entering them and just submitting them. Find out what their favorite alcoholic beverage is oh, and give them a bottle at the beginning of the year. Bribery works wonders. <laughs> works wonderful. Yeah, no. I, did you bribe? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I just, you know, the, the nice thing now is that they have Interfolio and other ways for you to keep track of these letters. When I was in school, I after I graduated from McGill and I was applying that year, that gap year that I took off to, you know, do some work and internships and more clinical work, I had to track all of these letters that went to, you know, the 10 different schools I applied to. 
letters from four different people. It was something like 40, 50 letters. It was yeah. a nightmare. So yeah. now it's, you know, and that, that that was through snail mail, mind you. You know, this is a totally, totally different system. Much, much better now. Snail mail. Is that an app for your phone? Hilarious. No, no. Hey, who's, you who's were the one. I was now? just going to say. <laughs> All right. So that's, there's a lot of data that you need to be able to sit down and hopefully get all of this entered into the application system in as short as period as possible. What you don't want to do is sit down, start entering information, realize that you're missing stuff, have to get up, move around, make some phone calls, send some emails to get the information you need. It's just going to postpone it and postpone it and postpone it. The next one is making sure because you're typing into plain text boxes online, you need to make sure that if you're copying and pasting, that you proofread everything. And even if you're not, no matter what you do, proofread the ever living, you know what out of it. Proofread, 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 proofread. But when you copy and paste from somewhere else, you have a tendency to get weird formatting text issues. Mm hmm. And again, you hear stories of these weird characters, characters. I was going to say caricatures. No, that's not right. (laughs) Characters ending up in a final product and it makes the admissions committee member scratch their head and go, well, did they really take the time to look at this or they just hurry up? It communicates laziness, right? It's not, you know, you may be the most brilliant person out there, but if you have a, you know, a personal statement or your, your activities are in there and there are typos or the grammar is poor. It just, it communicates a lack of caring and a lack of focus. Yeah, without a doubt. So proofread, proofread, proofread. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, I remember, I still to this day, years and years later, I applied, oh boy, so I applied in 2004. So it's been 11 years. And I remember vividly sitting at my computer. um, It was my parents' home at that point because I moved home for the year. And I remember vividly sitting up in their study upstairs Proofreading, proof, I mean, ad nauseum, you know, and have other people proofread too. That's one other important point that I think we should mention because you get to know your application and you'll, you'll know it well. And by the third or fourth time you've, you've written it, it may be boring and you're sort of, you know, you need a break. Have somebody else, have somebody else's eyes read over your application, both your personal statement and all those short answer because they may see something that you missed. Yeah. Good advice. The next one, we talked about it a little bit already with having all the transcripts ready to go, but there's kind of a weird thing here where for your school to send the transcripts to the application services, you need to have this official letter from the application service that you print out and send to the school, and so you just need to make sure that you follow all of the proper protocols, and as Allison mentioned earlier, Transcript issues are the number one, right? Number one issue that delays a student's application. Yep. And so there is a new process, and I don't know how new it is. I couldn't find any information on when it started. But they do have e-transcripts now, electronic transcripts that the AMCAS has set up. And I know it's specifically for AMCAS. I don't know if Acomis does it. Shame on me for not looking before we talked about this. But If your school has gone through the proper processes to be credentialed to do e-transcripts, they can send, with your request, an e-transcript to AMCAS to speed up the process. And so just ask the school's registrar when you ask them for the transcripts. If they do the e-transcripts, if they look at you like you're crazy, then they they probably don't do e-transcripts. But 
just something else no, to think it's about. A nice, it's a nice feature. Yeah. yeah. So the biggest communication part of the application is email. That's how AMCAST lets you know that secondaries are due. That's how AMCAST lets you know that interviews are requested. The schools get your your email address. So this is the time to make sure and double check and triple check that you enter your email address properly. It's also the time to change your drunkgirl1995 at gmail.com to something a little bit more appropriate. Yeah. Without a doubt, you want to be viewed as professional as possible, as professionally as possible. You're applying to a professional school. You are applying to a very you know, serious profession and you want to be viewed that way. So my email through school was always UF Gray Matter. Mm-hmm. You think that's professional enough? Um, to be perfectly honest, if I were applying today, I would have my email. I think mine was like it was Allison Rachel Cohen at yahoo.com. It was it was pretty pretty uh, simple. I think I would have an email that that includes your name, and that's pretty much it. Your name at whatever it is. I think you know I prefer Gmail. Um, you know if it's Hotmail or Yahoo. You know Ryan's not a fan, but um, preferably you know something. And and you also you need to make sure that you're not going to end up end up with things in your spam folder and miss them. But but you know the reason to have your name is because again it's simple, it's straightforward, it's not it's not attracting attention, and that's I think the mistake that people make sometimes. They they make a funny email and whatnot, but you don't you don't want some admissions committee member to be like, what are they? What is that? You know, just is to it, get hung up on your email. Is it a little too presumptuous to have like? If you were applying Allison Rachel Cohen, MD. Yeah, I absolutely. I think that that some admissions committee members might find that insult like offensive, insulting because it's it's presumptive. Yeah, Um, it's presumptuous. I'm really having word finding difficulty tonight. I apologize. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's uh, it is. It's presumptuous. It's you know, I wouldn't call myself a lawyer if I weren't one. I wouldn't call myself. You know, it's the same thing. There's there's um, just be appropriate. Simple as that. You know, your name dot so and so at. Yahoo, Gmail, Hotmail, whatever it is, or your school. You know, a lot of a lot of students will use their school email, which is fine if they're you know in college, or if you have a work email. You know, if you're applying and you're a non trad and you're you're changing careers, as long as it's a professional name, you know, just be don't careful have a, of work though, because if if like you're leaving work in the middle of application and you're not going to have access to that, I, I wouldn't use work. I would use something. You know, that's you're a good own. point. You should probably yeah use a personal email. Very, very good point. So if you're if you are on your work email all the time, have it be something that you can access all the time and and personal and and also that then if if you don't, let's say you're also not telling work that you're applying, and they screen your emails and they see, oh gee, so and so just got you know accepted to medical school. And apparently they're leaving, but they haven't told us anything. That's a great point. Yeah. So assume that your your work reads your emails. Yes. So be careful and just you know simple, professional, straightforward email address. No drunk girl. No hotmail. Whatever it is. No hotmail. So apparently all oh. hotmail is bad. <laughs> I meant more like hotmail as in like hot and then space M-A-L-E. Like uh, I was thinking drunk girl hotmail. <laughs> wow. Okay. I was just, you know. There you have it, folks. This is making everything gender equal. <laughs> okay. So moving on. A big part of the application is your extracurricular activities. And you have, for the AMCAS application, you have 15 spots to fill in. And what you need to understand is that just because there are 15 spots to fill in does not mean you have to fill in 15 spots. If you have 
20 things on your list of what you've done, but 10 of them are one or two hour commitments that you went for a Saturday afternoon and you you served uh, some food at the homeless shelter three times and you went and you did something at, at Habitat for Humanity once for an hour. Those don't, I wouldn't put those on your application. Those don't show any sort of commitment. They don't show any sort of positive trends. They just show that you're filling up your application with fluff. Yeah, exactly. You want what's there to really have mattered, um, to have had a real effect, you know, on you and, and on your, your view of your future career. In fact, you know, it's interesting. Um, there's a place where you actually, they ask you to select up to three experiences, which you consider to be the most meaningful. And AMCAS actually gives you, um, instructions. I mean, they give you some sort of some pointers about how, you know, when you designate, um, which of these mean these experiences are the most meaningful, you know, how, you know, how you can write what you want to say. And so they actually, there's some wording they use, which I think is actually helpful. So they say, um, they can, they can have you consider the following things when writing your response, quote, the transformative nature of the experience, uh, end quote, quote, the impact you made while engaging in the activity, end quote, end quote, uh, the personal growth you experienced as a result of your participation, end quote. So I quote those because if you think about those three things, you want each of those 15 experiences and especially those three to really embody that, to embody, you know, those those things that they they said right there. Yeah. You want them to be transformative. You want them to have a major impact. They want you to to have, you know, changed your your outlook to to have you grow in some way personally. Yeah, and those are the perfect things to be keeping a log of if you're not applying this year. Keep a log of that type of information when you're going and and doing these extracurricular activities. Yes, absolutely. Huge. So if you if you apply those rules, you're not going to be you're not going to have to worry about having fluff there because you wouldn't fluff would not fulfill those criteria. Yeah. So. All right. A couple small they're they're not small and we'll try to keep them short but the last couple tips are with the personal statement and just uh, a couple things about the MCAT the personal statement obviously a huge part of your application and this is something that I, that we try to explain to students is it's not just GPA it's not just MCAT your personal statement can make or break your application and so if if you sit down now at the beginning of May and you open up your application and you're going to enter all of your information and you think you're just going to type into the box your one edit of your personal statement, you better think again. The personal statement is something that to have a great personal statement, it's going to take time to process. It's going to take multiple iterations, Mm -hmm. uh, a, a dozen or so iterations going back and forth and back and forth. And yes, there are students out there that get lucky and, and just hit it out of the park on their first one. But that's that's the exception. Not yeah. The norm. And, and even if you write your first draft and it's amazing, you still want to have a mentor, you know, a professor, a friend, a family member, somebody read it and review it. So without a doubt, you're you will have to have at least a couple of different drafts. Um, it's just it's it's the way to do it. <laughs> Exactly. And you don't have to go crazy. I mean, you don't have to think like, oh my God, I hear I am a draft one. Well, I have to have a draft number 12 before I submit. It's more that, you know, you want different people to read it. I, if I were you, I would 
definitely recommend that you have a physician read it because um, not to say that the, the admissions committee members are all physicians, but remember that in your personal statement, what you're trying to communicate is why you want to become a physician and what experiences you've had that have propelled you in that direction and made an impact on you uh, and and really focused your mind on on this goal of, of practicing as a physician. So you in my mind then if if you have a physician read that they can give you feedback on well you know does this speak to me as as a you know here i am as a physician does this this pre med student you know does does what they said in their application their personal statement speak to me you know tell really communicate to me why they want to be a physician like me you know to join the fold if you will um, so have a, a physician, have a family member, you know, don't just have somebody who's, who's, you know, not gonna, I'm sorry, I keep saying, you know, <laughs> don't have somebody read it who is not going to be honest with you. You want someone to read it for grammar, someone to read it for content. So have a bunch of time set aside so that you can get, um, feedback and, and be able to formulate your thoughts and really have multiple drafts and something which you're proud of in the end. Definitely. All right. And the MCAT. One of the uh, things with the MCAT, if you're taking the MCAT late, and and we talk about when to take the MCAT, March or April, the latest, so you get your scores back, ready to rock when you submit your application. If you're getting your MCAT score back later because you took the test later, understand that most schools are not going to read your application until your MCAT scores are back. Part of the application is that you are planning to take the MCAT on a certain date and you don't have those scores yet. The schools will see that and they'll say, okay, this application's not complete. Even though it's submitted, your your transcripts have been verified, everything else is ready to go. If you have an outstanding MCAT, then they'll, they'll sit on the application. And so you think you have submitted your application early, but uh, unfortunately, you didn't. So it's just a good thing to know. Know your timeline. I mean, that's that's the key thing. I think if know when you need to have things submitted, you know each different piece of it. Uh, just get yourself organized because it will pay off later. Yes. All right. Any last minute words I th- of wisdom? I think that those were right there. Those were, those were my last words. Oh, wow, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, because you always ask me every podcast that I'm on that I have the privilege of being on. You always ask me, uh, what are my final words? So I was just thinking as you were about to ask me, this is what I'm going to say. You jumped the gun. I did. It was a pleasure. I hope you are all um, doing well and best wishes for those of you who are going to be submitting your applications soon. Uh, so and, yeah. one, one thing that I'd mentioned on the last podcast and we had, we had played a webinar from the Academy and one thing that I hinted at at the beginning and the end is that we're going to open up the Academy. It's been closed for new members. We've been focusing on the, the members that were in there. We have a bunch of, of members that are applying this year, uh, but we're going to reopen uh, in the next couple days. So if you're listening to this, as this comes out on May 6th, go to, jointheacademy.net and see if if we're open yet. So exciting. Yeah. So everything that we talked about today, we help with in the academy. We help with your personal statement. We help with uh, making sure you're getting good letters. We help with your extracurricular writing. We help with picking your medical schools. We give you the support to let you know that you're not alone. There's We have about 80 members in there. 
And they're all, it's an amazing community. People have been submitting their personal statements and getting great feedback from members that have gotten into school and, and other medical yeah, students. And five of our members last year got into medical more school. More than that. More than that. It was I think one. we're seven. Was seven it, seven awesome. out of eight. One is waitlisted. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the other thing. Not only do you get, um, you know, our expertise and our support, but um, the support of other physicians as well. And as Ryan said, this really wonderful community of supportive uh, pre-meds who are also up to the same thing that you are. And it's a supportive community, not one where people are into interested in tearing each other down. We There's none of that here. It is all about support and collaboration and um, yeah, and sharing of ideas. Yeah. Like-minded so, individuals. So for a limited time, we'll reopen Make sure that we get some students that are applying this year um, and get everybody prepared for the applications. And then really what it comes down to, secondary prep and then interview prep. Uh, I think mock interviews are one of the, my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. typically, Allison, you you do the interview and I take notes and then... <laughs> I end up being the bad guy. No, you just, it, you have good critique uh, and that's good. Um, I tend to like to just ask the questions and maybe give my little critique afterwards, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I do a heavy handed critique of, of that and it's recorded and you can go back and watch. So tons of awesome stuff for you to get out of the Academy. Go check it out. Join the Academy.net for a limited time here in May of 2015, we'll reopen the doors, get some uh, some more people in. We, uh, the reason we do a limited time is because we want to make sure that we can focus on the students that join and not worry about too many students joining, if that can be a, an issue. But, yeah, because we just we want to make sure that everyone gets value and time, you know, from us and and value. Yeah. So if you're applying this year, get in there. Join the academy. Net. All right, so I want to thank, we had one new five-star rating interview come in from Bulahu. I don't know how to say that. B-U-L-A-O-H-U. It says, the duo of Dr. Grays give no-nonsense advice that keeps me motivated, on track, and well-prepared in advance for a wide variety of pre-med challenges. That's pretty good. That was awesome. Thank says, you. The, the title was The Gold Standard. No, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. MedicalSchoolHQ.net slash iTunes. If you have yet to leave us a rating interview, we greatly appreciate everybody that does, which is why we read them here and say thank you because the more people that rate interview, the more iTunes shows us to other students looking for podcasts like ours. So again, MedicalSchoolHQ.net slash iTunes. So, this is podcast 128. If you have any comments, questions, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash 128, which is the specialized show notes for this podcast, and you can uh, leave us a comment there or connect with me on Twitter. I am at medicalschoolhq. And that's it. What about my Twitter? Yeah, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer email. So please email me because I am not uh, lately. It's been actually, to be honest, a little challenging responding to emails in a timely manner. So for those of you out here who are, who are still waiting, I think there are just a couple. I apologize. I am working on it. Oh, I have a lot um, of emails. Yeah, we but, get a lot of emails, but emails are great. Um, I just think they're, you know, for me personally, I'm, I'm still not quite a good tweeter, whatever the, the expression That's is. Funny. So <laughs> good job. So just please email me. Allison at medical school, HQ.net. Yes. 
All right. I hope that was a great podcast for you. If you have any suggestions for future podcasts, let us know. We're going to, as a suggestion from Allison, we're going to try a, a little bit of a different format podcast in the next coming weeks where we get your stories or your feedback and we'll kind of read those as the as the podcast and use that as talking points during the podcast. So look for an email from us. If you're not on our email list, that's how we communicate a lot. You, you can sign up for our email list if you just go to medicalschoolhq.net. There's uh, plenty of ways to sign up for our email list, so we'll have some more information there. So have a great night, Allison. You too, Ryan, and all of you out there, same to you. All right. I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. (laughs) 